As a former paramedic and nurse, I've seen a lot of things that have made me question the nature of our existence. But one aspect of the job in particular stands out as evidence of something beyond our understanding. Have you ever seen someone die? I mean really die. Not just slip into a coma or vegetative state. I've seen people die, and yet their body carries on for hours, almost as if they're still alive, but something has left them. It's hard to describe, but you can tell when someone is no longer there. It's like the light has gone out of their eyes. Their body is just an empty vessel. But here's the thing. I've also seen the opposite happen. In traumatic deaths, when the body is failing and should be giving up, the person keeps on fighting. It's almost as if their will to live is stronger than their body's ability to keep going. I know this may not be proof of a higher power or the afterlife, but it does prove to me that there's more to our existence than we can comprehend. It's a humbling and awe-inspiring realization to know that there's still so much we don't understand about life and death. And it's made me more grateful for every moment I have on this earth. I'm working a maintenance job, midnight to 5 a.m., in the old Denver light and gas building, 15th and Champa, downtown Denver. There's a few people around there during the day, but after hours, the place is pretty empty. I'm working by myself and haven't seen a person all night. I go to the bathroom on the third floor, which is a narrow, long room. Walk in the door, two urinals directly to your left, then two stalls after, then a sink against the wall, behind the stalls, then interior wall of the building. I hit the first urinal, and as I'm finishing, I hear plain as day, the sink turn on, and a variance is in the water noise, like someone is washing their hands. I zip up, turn, and the sink stops, so I just stand at the end of the stall, because there's maybe two feet between the stalls and the wall, that leads to the sink, and it just dead ends at the sink, and it just dead ends at the sink, so there's not really room for two people to pass each other, and definitely not enough room at the sink for two people. It only took maybe two or three seconds, but I'm like, WTF. There's nobody else in here with me. I wasn't tired, I can honestly say I heard what I heard, and I don't get freaked out imagining things. It's the only one thing in my life that I've ever experienced like that. Been there several time after, and haven't heard anything like it since. I have been a park ranger in a national park located in England for just over 10 years. I'm not going to reveal which one or even the county for the sake of my job, as I still work here. But there are some pretty weird things that you find every so often while on shift. Things that my superiors would likely not appreciate me sharing online. My job mainly involves patrolling the trails and checking that they're all in a safe state for people to walk through. I was also asked to talk with schoolchildren in assemblies and such, after about a year or so on the job to express how important it is to stay with the group on the trails. I gave pretty obvious reasons for this, but little did I know I would soon discover some of the horrifying truths as to why they should never wander off. The first story I'm going to share with you took place on a beautiful spring morning in June. I think this was during my first year on the job. The sun was still low in the sky, but it was slowly rising and brightening my surroundings. 
I was on a normal morning patrol through one of the deeper trails, as it hadn't been checked recently, and protocol to frequently check all the trails for fallen trees and any potential natural hazards to hikers. It was such a beautiful morning. I remember walking along with a slight smile on my face as I listened to nature waking up in the trees. I found the cool breeze very relaxing, and it had a truly peaceful effect on my mood. Suddenly, the trees to my left were filled with the sounds of birds squawking loudly as they frantically flew away. I stopped and listened for just a moment. Silence. A quote from another story I have read here reads very true to this situation. Prey is silent when predators are near. Now understand that we don't have any bears or wolves here in England. Nothing like that. So I suppose it could be a deer that had snapped a twig. However, the noise wouldn't usually drop like that as deer don't pose much of a threat to wildlife at all. I continued on, not thinking anything of it, and after a short time I got the urge to check behind me. There was a man walking maybe 100 meters back, and I was on a long straight so it was easy to tell. I was confused as the trails aren't usually used until a little later when early dog walkers would show up. And even then, few would wander this far into the woods at this time. He seemed to be walking at a very relaxed pace, his hands in his dark blue hoodie's pockets, and he had faded blue jeans. I radioed over to ask if anyone had seen someone enter the trail. I was walking shortly after I left, but no one had seen anyone come in or out other than the occasional dog walker. I thought nothing of it, but continued on a slightly hurried pace. I usually wouldn't be bothered about it being out on my own with another stranger. I wasn't a small bloke nor someone to get spooked easily. However, this guy just gave me a bad feeling. I was approaching a gate that leads to a much denser area of the woodland, more like a thick forest, and as I closed the gate behind me, I noticed this man had stopped dead in his tracks. He seemed to be staring right at me, but I couldn't be sure. Then he broke into a sprint, not a light jog that somebody out for exercise might. I'm talking a full-on sprint. It was almost aggressive. I freaked out and turned to run. Why would a complete stranger, who was previously so calm and relaxed, suddenly be sprinting at me? He hadn't called for help or even waved to me. Fortunately, the trail's long, straight section was over, and I ran around a curve and hid behind one of the many large rocks that were by the side of the trail. I could hear his heavy footsteps thudding towards me right until he was just on the other side of the rock, and he stopped again, dead in his tracks. He wasn't even out of breath. He just seemed to stand there for a while, and then just walked off. I waited for what must have been close to ten minutes to be sure he was far ahead and radioed the strange encounter to my colleagues, who agreed it was strange encounter to my colleagues who agreed it was strange. I cautiously continued on with my patrol. I never saw that strange man again, and I hope I never do. I have many more memories I would like to share with you. Stay safe out there. You are rarely truly alone in the forest. This happened to my dad and brother, 16 years ago outside Fernley, Nevada. Long story short, two guys tried to murder them, the long version. So my dad and brother liked to go out into the desert at night and look for snakes, tarantulas, just critters in general. One night, they were up on a hill when they saw a truck driving by. 
My dad blinked his flashlight at them to signal they were up there. I don't know why he did this. Maybe so they didn't get ran over or something. Well, these individuals slammed on their brakes and started unloading rounds up toward them. My father smacked my brother to the ground and started screaming at them to stop. Didn't work. So the two of them army crawled toward my dad's truck while these guys were still taking pot shots. It was super dark out, so they didn't know where my dad and brother were. When they eventually made it to the truck, it stalled out. So obviously the shooters heard it and started firing at them. They hid under the truck and waited a long-ass time for a break and fire, because every time they got ready to run, shots would start going off again. I guess they got to the point where they agreed. Either we make a mad dash out of here, or these guys will eventually just come up and execute us. So that's what they did. They ended up running several miles back into town. A gas station clerk called the police, but nothing came of it. To this day, we have no clue who it was that tried to murder them, or how they had so much ammo. We're talking hours of shots ringing out every couple of minutes. My father refused to ever go out in the Nevada desert again, though. Several years ago, I was guiding here in Idaho, and I had two older clients from the East Coast who had been best friends since kindergarten. They were both kind of scared of the woods, but 20-year-old me was not scared of anything. Well, I dropped one off at a stand on the evening, and I took the other guy to a different spot. When it got dark, myself and the guy I was with went back to pick up the other guy who was laying on the ground, about 100 yards from the stand. I was like, hey, wake up, it's cold out, and we should be going. He just laid there, so I, I walked up and kicked his leg, and I realized his eyes were open. My heart started pounding super fast, and I leaned down and checked his pulse. No pulse. He's dead as a doorknob. I just turned to the other guy, and I was like, well, do you want to stay here or go with me to the truck so we can call my boss on the CB? He wanted to stay with his friend. It was pitch black, and this guy was already easily nervous, so I'm surprised he wanted to stay there. Anyway, this spot is near a trail that people hike on occasionally, and ever since it seems like weird stuff happens there, I know several people that have seen and heard weird things. Within a mile of the spot, this guy died. I just avoided any more. I always thought it was weird that he was away from the stand, too. When I explicitly told him to stay in it till I came and got him. Not sure why he left it. Always listen to your guide. They have a reason for what they tell you to do. So here's another story that's quite a bit different than that one. Last year, I'm backpacking in the cabinets with my wife and my two younger sisters. We set up camp way up on a ridge, about five miles into the wilderness boundary. At around midnight, I woke up because I heard some growling. It wasn't windy or anything. The growling was maybe a few yards from my tent, and I can hear some twigs snap. I'm getting nervous about this time, so I grab my Glock in one hand and my bear spray in the other and creep out the front of my tent in naught but my undies. There's a bright moon, but I couldn't see any critters. I got back in my tent. A few minutes later, I hear some more growling. But whatever it is is just walking around the tent, because now it's in a different spot. It kept happening for hours as I laid there clutching my gun. In the morning, my sister said that they didn't sleep much because they kept hearing growling and snarling. Apparently something even brushed against their tent. 
I'm guessing it was a grizzly because I've been around black bears plenty and this sounded deeper and whatever it was wasn't scared of us. It probably just didn't like us being too near its den. I guess the takeaway from that experience is always have a gun and bear spray in grizzly country. In around September 1984, I was driving north along the Illinois River, north of Peoria, Illinois, on Route 29. I had been seeing a number of cars pulled over, with the folks all looking up in the sky. I finally got curious and pulled over myself. When I did, I observed a huge vulture or eagle, like bird. When I say huge, I mean it was the size of a piper cub or tomahawk four-seat aircraft. It was dark brown or black. Had the same sort of profile as an eagle or a buteo type bird. Long broad wings and a large tail. For an instant at first, I thought it may have been an ultralight aircraft, as a landing field for them was not so awful far away. I did quite a bit of flying then, so I know how big airplanes are and how big they appear in the sky at various distances. This was no aircraft, though. As it effortlessly circled slowly above the river, I watched it for some time. Folks going by in their cars were also looking and pointing up at it. There are plenty of eagles, vultures, hawks, owls, etc. around there, and I know them when I see them. This was much, much bigger than a bald eagle. I raced back to my office, telling my co-workers what I had seen. Of course they teased me that I was smoking something. I watched the local news and read the paper for some time, but there was no mention made of it. But plenty saw it, I am quite sure. I have never seen anything like it since. I was out about 100 kilometers from the city last weekend camping with my telescope. I set everything up, start the photo timer, and go take a nap in my truck camper while it does its thing. I wake up in a bit and go to check the time, and my phone is dead. I go to check the camera, and it's not taking pictures. The what was full battery is dead, so I can't see how long it has been or how many photos I've taken. I go to pack up my gear and sit down on the grass to start coiling up some cables. As soon as I sit down and stop moving, I start to hear faint music. Now my first thought is there is a couple farms around, so maybe someone's having a party and the sound is traveling, but it sounds like carnival music. It's not really something I could think of someone playing in the middle of the night. Second, the music sounds like it has been slowed down, and it does not have a steady beat. I can sort of describe how it sounded, but not how it felt, like this strange back-and-forth time dilation, while also being a little fuzzy and pretty quiet. It didn't particularly sound like it was coming from any direction, there was just music playing. It made the hair stand up on the back of my neck, and it just made me feel so uncomfortable. I've heard music off in the distance many times in my life, and the sound of it was just different. Anyway, I pack up half my stuff, pretty much run back to the truck and close all the windows in a camper so I can't hear anything and go back to sleep. Wake up in the morning and there's no music playing, and I'm sort of wondering if it was just some crazy dream. But I find my gear half-packed up so I have no idea. Maybe it was some half-asleep thing going on, but I could have sworn I heard it. Wish some of my electronics were charged so I could have recorded it, and I have no idea what time it was at. I figure it was sometime between 1 when I went to sleep and 4 a.m. when it gets light out. 
The air was thick with anticipation as I prepared to step into the lion's den. My name is Antony, a dedicated police officer with an unwavering commitment to justice. Today, I was about to embark on a mission that would push me to my limits, an assignment to infiltrate a notorious criminal organization that had plagued our city for far too long. Undercover work had always intrigued me, but I had never imagined the challenges that lay ahead. As I assumed my new identity, I shed my old self, leaving behind Antony, the police officer, and becoming Tony, a man of shadows. The line between reality and facade began to blur, and I had to remind myself constantly of my purpose, to gather evidence and bring down these criminals. Immersing myself in the criminal underworld was both exhilarating and terrifying. I rubbed shoulders with thieves, drug lords, and murderers, playing my part convincingly, all the while suppressing the nagging voice in the back of my mind, reminding me of the moral dilemmas I was about to face. One fateful night, amidst the dimly lit corners of the organization's headquarters, I witnessed something that defied all rational explanation. A creature unlike anything I had ever seen was held captive on a leash. Its glowing eyes pierced through the darkness, sending a chill down my spine. It was a cryptid, a being that belonged in the realm of myth and folklore, not within the clutches of these criminals. Driven by the need for evidence, I discreetly reached for my camera, desperate to capture proof of this otherworldly encounter. But before I could press the shutter, the organization's enforcers were upon me, their eyes burning with suspicion. They accused me of spying, of betraying their trust, and confiscated my camera as punishment. In that moment, I realized the grave danger I had unwittingly stumbled upon. The organization's reach extended far beyond what I had anticipated, and my true identity as an undercover officer was on the verge of being exposed. Fear coursed through my veins, but I refused to let it paralyze me. With every ounce of determination, I planned my escape. I knew that my life and the success of this mission depended on my ability to outwit those who sought to destroy me. Under the cover of darkness, I seized a moment of distraction and made my move. Running through a labyrinth of corridors, I narrowly evaded capture, relying on my training and instincts to guide me. Every step was calculated, every decision critical. It was a high-stakes game, and I refused to be a pawn any longer. Finally, I burst through the doors of the organization's stronghold, gasping for breath and covered in sweat. Freedom had never tasted so sweet. But as I looked back, I knew that my actions would have consequences. The criminals would stop at nothing to track me down, to protect their secrets, and to silence the threat I had become. As I melted into the shadows, vowing to bring justice to those who had eluded it for far too long, I understood that my journey was far from over. I had glimpsed the supernatural, survived the clutches of evil, and emerged stronger, more determined than ever, to expose the truth. Antony, the police officer, would resurface, armed with the knowledge of the organization's inner workings. I would gather the evidence needed to dismantle their empire, protect innocent lives, and ensure that the cryptid I had encountered would never be subjected to their vile clutches again. In the end, the organization's betrayal had only solidified my resolve. 
I was a relentless force they never saw coming. A dedicated officer who would stop at nothing to dismantle their criminal empire and bring them to justice, no matter the personal cost. So for the better part of 15 years, I've been seeing something. It's tall, very tall. Probably eight feet and it's pitch black. Everything around it seems to have a black statusy thing around it. Every time before it attacks, the same things happen. I have an immense sense of dread. Whatever direction it's coming from my ear in that side does immediately death. I see it and then pass out. When I pass out, I always wake up in some weird version of wherever I passed out, be it a classroom or church. I'm there alone with it. It stalks me and tries to get me. When I look at it, I feel depressed and want to give up. So far, I have been clawed, scratched, and bitten by it. All left real-world marks when I wake up. The worst time happened when it stretched his arm unnaturally long and began to choke me. I woke up and barely escaped but woke up to an asthma attack that almost got me sent to the ER. It used to only happen once every few years. It bothered me, but not enough to make me really seek help. But lately, it's happening a lot. In the past months, it has happened at least three months. The most recent, I barely escaped it. Running inside my house and even my dog got scared. I am so tired of this. I don't expect to defeat or kill it. But I have a kid on the way, and I can't let this thing run my life anymore. If any of you have any ideas of what it is, please let me know. I feel like now that I, 23 male, is growing up, I'm starting to feel the gravity of many things that happen, and have happened around me. Being a curious person, I like to investigate things, like to make my owneries around them. Yesterday morning, I started having this conversation with my mom about my theories on what dreams actually are and what science says about it. In the midst of that conversation, I suddenly recalled an incident that happened with her many years ago. My mom is not at all a person who likes to make things up. She is always so skeptical of superstitions, and I, and only I, know that if she claims watching something with her own eyes, which freaked her out and almost froze her to death, she is speaking the truth. It happened around 12 years ago. My family was going through financial crisis, and we used to live in my maternal grandma's house back then. Recently, a thief had also been sighted in the house, who ran away in panic because of the fear of being caught. Many scary things were happening, and we were damn serious towards all of them, as they were causing our family a lot of stress. I didn't get to know exactly when and how, but one evening my mum told my grandma that she saw a hairy demon in the bathroom and almost froze to death seeing that... As I was a stupid 11-year-old kid back then, I took it as a fun horror story and let it be. When I recalled this incident yesterday, I decided to ask about the details to my mum. So I asked her to explain how was the appearance of that thing actually. She told me it was sitting on the floor of our bathroom... She said that it looked like an early man. Told me it was so gigantic that when it stood up on its legs, he easily reached the ceiling. As she froze and started screaming for help to my dad, this creature took only a couple of very, very long strides and disappeared. She says she doesn't recall much details from how this thing actually disappeared. 
I asked her why she calls that thing a demon. She said that because that's what her first guess was. I asked, so you mean to say it looked like a caveman? She said, no, it wasn't a man or human in the first place. A beast, I asked. She said, yes. She said it had very long hair all over its body, and the hair had a soil-like color. Immediately, my brain said Bigfoot. Then I googled Bigfoot and showed her the images. She said that it was very much of the same appearance as those images. I was shocked to hear that. The thing is, I am from India. Nobody ever heard of any Bigfoots in India, let alone in an urban environment, and that too. In one's bathroom, as weird and illogical this incident sounds, it really happened. My mum rarely believes in things like these and is always very serious towards life. She has never been attention-seeking or something, and this incident never helped her in any way. In fact, she was facing so many more challenges in life that this incident was a fresh wound on already wounded skin. So, what do you guys think of this incident? How can one see a Bigfoot-like creature in one's own home, which then disappears and is never seen again? Could it be something else? Also, there's a little incident about how my grandma saw it too around the same time, which I am not including so that I don't make this super long post longer. When I was about 10 years old, I would go to bed around 8.30 p.m. I used to fall asleep in my mom's bed. She had a TV in her room, so I would fall asleep to cartoons. And when she would come up to go to bed, she would wake me up and take me to my bed. One night I was sleeping in my mom's bed, as per usual, and I woke up to the door opening. I didn't wake up to look who it was, because I figured it was my mom. It was just me and her living at our house. I heard her walk towards the bed, and then stop. It was a good five minutes before I heard bed creak from her laying down. She laid down and put her arm around me. She never said anything, and neither did I since I was half asleep. She didn't wake me up to move me to my room, so I just figured she was letting me sleep in her room that night. I drifted off when I woke in the morning. I rolled over and saw my mom was gone. I walked downstairs and saw her sleeping on the couch. The title screen for Pretty in Pink was playing on the TV in the background. She woke up and smiled and asked me what I wanted for breakfast. I told her I'd just make myself a bowl of surreal. I headed to the kitchen and turned around to thank her for letting me sleep in her bed last night. She looked at me confused and said, you didn't sleep in your room. And I told her no. She said she fell asleep on the couch. I said, no, you came in the room last night. She looked at me even more puzzled and said, no, I've been down here the whole time. I kept telling her, no, you laid down next to me, and I even remember you putting your arm around me and stroking my hair. She looked horrified. Again, we lived alone. My mom has no history of sleepwalking either. To this day, my mom and I are still freaked out by this and don't really like to talk about it. Never happened again. Never had any other paranormal activity in the house either. In my years as a park ranger, I thought I had seen it all. The towering redwoods, 
The majestic wildlife and the breathtaking landscapes that drew visitors from all corners of the world. But nothing could have prepared me for the inexplicable events that unfolded within the heart of our beloved national park. It began on a crisp autumn morning when I received a call that sent a shiver down my spine. The tranquil lake that had been the centerpiece of our park for generations was draining away, leaving behind a barren landscape of cracked mud and exposed rock. As I stood on the desolate shore, disbelief mingled with a growing sense of unease. How could this pristine oasis vanish before our eyes? My fellow rangers and I wasted no time. With a mix of curiosity and concern, we gathered our equipment and ventured to the heart of the mystery, a yawning sinkhole that had opened up at the center of the lake's basin. Its edges were jagged and foreboding, a dark chasm that seemed to beckon us into its depths. With flashlights in hand, we cautiously descended into the unknown. What we discovered beneath the lake was beyond our wildest imaginings. The sinkhole led to a labyrinthine cave system, a twisting network of passages and chambers that stretched deep into the earth. Our voices echoed off the walls as we ventured further, the air growing cooler and more oppressive with each step. It didn't take long for us to realize that this was no ordinary cave. The walls were etched with strange symbols and intricate patterns, hinting at a civilization long forgotten by time. And as we ventured deeper, the sounds of dripping water were joined by a haunting chorus of whispers that seemed to emanate from the very rock itself. With each turn, we found ourselves descending further into the heart of this subterranean world. And then, as if emerging from the shadows, they appeared. Grotesque creatures, unlike anything I had ever seen before. Their skin was pale and translucent their limbs elongated and twisted in unnatural ways. Eyes that glowed with an eerie luminescence regarded us with a mix of curiosity and hostility. As we stared in disbelief, the creatures advanced, their movements unsettling and disjointed. It was as if they existed on the fringes of reality, their forms shifting and warping with every blink of an eye. Panic rose within us as we realized we were trapped, our escape route cut off by the creatures that now surrounded us. With hearts racing, we retreated, desperately seeking a way out. But every corridor seemed to lead us deeper into the creature's realm. Hours turned into days as we navigated the winding tunnels, our hope dwindling as our supplies dwindled. Amidst the fear and desperation, a glimmer of realization emerged. These creatures were not just monsters. They were a part of a hidden world that had remained concealed for centuries. They were the guardians of forgotten knowledge, the remnants of an ancient civilization that had thrived beneath the Earth's surface. As we delved deeper into their world, we uncovered fragments of their history, stories of a civilization driven underground by cataclysmic events, stories of survival and adaptation. And as we pieced together the puzzle of their existence, we began to earn their trust. In time, we found a way to communicate, to bridge the gap between our worlds. They revealed their knowledge, their secrets, and the untold stories of their people. And as the days turned into weeks, we realized that our survival was intertwined with theirs. Together, we worked to find a way to escape the labyrinthine caves and return to the surface. 
The journey was fraught with danger, but with their guidance we navigated the treacherous passages and emerged once more into the light of day. The lake had returned to its former glory, but now it held a secret. And now it held a secret, an entrance to an underground world that defied explanation. As I stood on the shore, gazing out over the water, I knew that the events of the past weeks would remain etched in my memory forever. Our encounter with the creatures had shattered my preconceptions, opening my eyes to the boundless mysteries that the world still held. And as I looked back at the sinkhole that had led us to that hidden realm, I couldn't help but wonder what other secrets lay waiting to be uncovered beneath the surface of our world.